الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما من شيء أثقر في ميزان العبد المؤمن يوم القيامة من خلق حسن أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected mothers and sisters This is the fuzzle of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala blesses us with these opportunities that we dedicate some time for deen. So this is a great ni'mat from Allah Ta'ala's side. It is beyond the material bounties and benefits that we have. That some of our time, some of our efforts, our energies get spent for the sake of deen. May Allah Ta'ala accept whatever sacrifices each one has made to be part of a dini program, dini discussion. May Allah Ta'ala make it a means of benefit for me, for all of us. The niyat and the intention nevertheless is very, very important, very essential. The intention must be solely so that we learn something of deen and that we may bring into our lives, practice upon it, pass it on to others as well. This is the intention to learn deen, to practice on what we learn and to pass it on to others. So may Allah Ta'ala grant us this intention, make it my intention and everybody's intention as well. As we said, we have gathered to discuss deen. What does deen mean? What is the real meaning of practicing on deen? This is sometimes something that we get confused. You know, many people get confused about but the confusion is often that we make certain parts of deen exclusive to be practiced upon and certain parts of deen we exclude it from our practice or from even thinking sometimes that this has got anything to do with deen nawzubillah whereas deen is something very comprehensive deen encompasses every single aspect of our lives there is nothing that is excluded. And therefore we have to reflect that what parts of deen we have brought into our lives, what is still missing, what has to come. Deen and the way of Rasulullah is deen. Deen governs the way we fulfill our ibadat. It gives us the complete code of ibadat. Before the ibadat already, it gives us the fundamental beliefs, what should be our aqaid, what should be our beliefs, what we can, uh, or what we should be having in our hearts and minds, and what we cannot entertain at any cost. So the aqaid, the beliefs are very, very fundamental, very important. Then our ibadat deen gives us the complete detail, our salah, zakat, fasting, hajj. All this is completely explained to us in detail. Very often, 
these are the two things that are accepted to be part of deen and full stop. Beyond this, many people don't understand anything else to be part of deen. Some do and some don't. As long as a person is performing his salah, for example, somebody is going for hajj, umrah, somebody is fasting in the month of Ramadan, they are paying their zakat, so then this is regarded as now the height of piety. This person, or we regard ourselves then, I am alhamdulillah very good, because I have this much in my life. Undoubtedly, this is very, very good in terms of ibadat, that a person is fulfilling these obligations of deen, these pillars of Islam, without this there cannot be any piety. So this is indeed very, very fundamental, very essential, very important, and a person cannot compromise on the aspects of ibadat at all. But then there is something further in deen as well, which unfortunately we often exclude. There is the aspect which is known as mu'amalat, dealings. Many a times when it comes to dealings, monetary dealings, there we shirk. We do not fulfill the rights of others in terms of dealings or dealing fairly or fulfilling people's dues. But many might not really be in that situation where this applies on a daily basis to us. We are not dealing all the time. The men are the ones that are dealing all the time. But this still applies to us in our lives. We are dealing sometimes with neighbors. We are giving things, taking things, buying things, selling things. All this carries on. And the mu'amalat are extremely important. We might be borrowing something that is part of mu'amala. We should be returning it the way we borrowed it. We should be using it for the purpose that it was borrowed. So all this is part of mu'amalat. And this should be given a very high regard in deen. Because if a person has shirked in the aspects of mu'amalat, he will lose his ibadat to those who he has harmed in some way. In any case, to take it further, then is the aspect of mu'asharat. And the fifth aspect is akhlaq. So up to mu'amalat also, many people do understand and accept that this too is part of deen. Person is dealing, he will be concerned that I should not be taking somebody else's right, not be taking somebody else's due. I should not be dealing in interest, dealing in haram things. So many people are conscious, unfortunately many are not. But when it comes to mu'asharat and akhlaq, then these are the things that very, very often the least amount of consideration is given to having our mu'asharat and akhlaq in order and do we give it any realization, give, have any realization that this is part of deen, a very essential part of deen, a very important part of deen and something that has been very greatly emphasized in the Quran and Sunnah. What is mu'asharat? Mu'asharat is our social life, our social interaction whether it is within the four walls of our home, with our families, with our husbands, our children, our parents, with our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our extended family, all this is part of mu'asharat. And together with mu'asharat is the aspect of akhlaq. 
when it comes to these aspects, akhlaq, akhlaq means character, but good character in the English sense of the word is very, very limited. It's limited to saying please and thank you almost. And a person can say please and thank you, then he's very courteous. And then if he's uh, cursing you behind your back, then he's still very courteous, because as long as he didn't curse you directly. If he is harboring malice, he's still full of character, doesn't matter. If he is harboring revenge, he's still full of character. Whereas in Islam, character deals with the outside and more than the outside deals with the inside. It deals with the heart, that there's compassion in the heart, there's forgiveness, there's love, there is kindness, there is tolerance, there is sabr, there is harboring of good thoughts, dispelling of ill thoughts, and all the other various aspects of akhlaq, which includes taqwa, includes tawakkul and trust in Allah wa ta'ala. It includes zuhd, abstinence from the world. It includes haya, modesty and shame. And all the various things. So in any case, muasharat and akhlaq are the things which we often neglect. Whereas we find in the ahadith, Rasulullah and in fact in the Quran Sharif itself, there is so much of emphasis on the aspects of muasharat and akhlaq. And again, just as we mentioned in the case of Mu'amalat, in the Hadith Sharif it comes, that when a person will shirk in aspects of Mu'asharat and Akhlaq, then this too would take a person, Allah forbid, towards Jahannam. There is the Hadith of Rasulullah that one woman was mentioned to Nabi Wasallam that this woman is a very, very a diligent woman in her ibadat, meaning nafil ibadat. She performs a lot of nafil ibadat. She recites a lot of tilawat, makes tilawat of the Quran Sharif, a lot of nafil salah, a lot of other wazaif and tasbihat, whatever she might have been reciting. So obviously this is a very great thing. We should not underestimate this in any way. But at the same time, the Islam was told that she gives taklif and difficulty to others. She is not concerned about not giving any taklif and any difficulty to others. Whether this taklif is physical, whether it is emotional, she is not concerned. Nabi Wasallam replied and said, Here finnar, that she will end up in the fire of Jahannam. Now can we imagine all the ibadat, all the other wazaif and tasbihat are there in its place, the nafil is there, a lot of nafil is in place, but Nabi Wasallam is saying, Here finnar, because she is shirking in the aspect of muasharat. This muasharat is now not being fulfilled as a result of which this is the end result. Then Nabi Islam is informed of another woman. The description is given that she fulfills her basic obligations. She does not do much extra things. She is not somebody who might sit the whole day and make tilawat. She might not be somebody that sits the, uh, makes ibadat the whole night or fast every day of the year. She does whatever she can in terms of nawafil as well. But it is comparatively very much lesser than the first woman. But Nabi Islam is being told that she does not give any taklif, any difficulty, any hardship to anybody. In other words, her muasharat is in place. She is fulfilling the rights of others, giving comfort to others, being a source of happiness to others. Nabi Islam replies and says, Here fill Jannah. This woman will go to Jannat. Now this is one hadith sharif alone, it highlights this entire aspect of muasharat, that the ibadat, extra ibadat is all 
in place. Nobody can ever underestimate the value of it or regard it as something minor. No, it is very great. But it cannot compare with the rank of Mu'asharat being in place as well. Nafil is a very great thing. But akhlaq is beyond all the nafil in the world. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says that on the day of Qiyamat, can we imagine the day of Qiyamat? On that day, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ لِكُلِّ مْرِئِمْ مِنْهُمْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ شَأْنُ يُغْنِيهِ When everybody will flee away from the next, a person will flee away from his own wife, the wife will flee from the husband, she doesn't have anything to do with him. The parents will flee away from the children, the children won't want to have anything to do with the parents. Brothers and sisters won't want to see each other. لِكُلِّ مْرِئِمْ مِنْهُمْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ شَأْنُ Every person will become turned about themselves. Somebody's own child will come and ask for one good deed. I think I'm going to run short of one good deed. He say, I don't know my own condition right now. I can't give you one good deed. The parent will ask the child. The child will ask the parent. The husband will ask wife. Wife will ask husband. Nobody is interested in anybody else. Now on that day, everybody will be concerned that my scale of good deeds must be heavy. Because when the scales of good deeds will be heavy, then this is the ticket to Jannat. And Nabi Islam is giving us the prescription of what will make the scales of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamat. So Allah's Nabi Islam says that Mamin Shayin Athqalu fi mizanil abdil mu'mini yawmal qiyama min khuluqin hasan. That there is nothing. Can we imagine what is being said? There is nothing that is heavier on the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. Obviously, there's nothing refers to over and above the faraiz, wajibat, staying away from sin. So this is now like a person says that he's got all the extra features of the car. He's got all the extra features, the leather seats, he's got an excellent uh, computer system. But the problem is he doesn't have the car itself. So how far he'll go with the leather seat? He'll sit down there and remain there his whole life. He has to have the car first. And in the car he has all the extras, it'll take him far ahead. And give him a very comfortable ride. So the fundamentals of deen, that is the vehicle. But these are the things that will enhance it. And take it at a high speed ahead to Jannat. So Nabi Salaam is saying, that there is nothing weightier, heavier on the scales of good deeds of a person. On the day of Qiyamat, min khuluqin hasan. Then good akhlaq, good character. Good character will be the heaviest thing on the day of Qiyamat. Now, what is good character is the issue. As we mentioned just now, that in the English sense of the word, there is very little that is included in good character. Just to be on the face of a person, very, very courteous, behind his back you do what you want. And everybody will still call you very courteous. That is not what the teaching of Rasulullah is. Allah's Nabi has given us a very comprehensive concept of akhlaq. And those who will adopt this good akhlaq, they will be the ones who will get this great bounty on the day of Qiyamah, that this good akhlaq will weigh heavily in their scales. Can we imagine what is the level and what is the uh, status of our ibadat? Just take salah for example. Alhamdulillah, if we are performing our salah daily, regularly, that is a very great thing. We should never ever neglect that in any way. In the Hadith Sharif, it is mentioned that a person misses one salah deliberately. One salah without a valid shari'i reason and excuse. 
فَكَأَنَّمَا وُتِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ It is as if that person's entire family and all his wealth was destroyed in one go. Can we imagine a person, Allah forbid, his house, his business, his vehicles, and all his family members, everything, every last cent he owns, everything gets wiped out in one go. What will become his condition? In one neighboring country, there was one incident one person woke up late at night and suddenly realizes a fire in the house. And the fire was on the side where his children were sleeping. So he dashed to go and uh, do something about it. So he saw the fire, he went to bring some water or whatever to douse the flames. In the meantime, his wife thought she'll grab the children and come out. So she ran into the room. But by the time she picked any child up, that fire engulfed the room. Uh, he was trapped on the outside and the rest of his children and wife all trapped on the inside. And all of them perished in front of him. Allah Ta'ala grant him sabr. But a person, such a severe effect came upon him. He lost his sanity. He couldn't bear this. He lost his sanity. Now this is something that was a real incident. Here that is the kind of picture that is being drawn to us. That a person who loses all his wealth, all his family in one go, worse than that is losing one salah. Unfortunately, we don't have that reality in us. Therefore, if our salah got missed, it doesn't necessarily create any grief within us. It doesn't create any kind of pain within us. But in any case, if that salah is being performed regularly, mashallah, this is an excellent thing. But can we really claim anything about the quality of that salah? What is the quality of our salah? We start off the salah and then we realize and remember we were in salah when we make salam. What we read in between, we don't even remember. And that is the quality of our salah. Our fasting, what is the quality? While we, ha- we are fasting, unfortunately, the ghibat still carries on. We are not looking after our eyes, our ears, our tongue. What is the quality of our hajj? What is the quality of our zakat? We pay the zakat also. We don't know how we are calculating what's going on. The point is that on the day of qiyamah for our ibadat, if Allah Ta'ala just says, okay, I have absolved you of the obligation, but don't expect any sawab in return, that too will be a great favor from Allah Ta'ala. So our ibadat, we can't really claim anything about it. Then, as far as our heart is concerned, the quality of our iman, we know how weak we are. Here Nabi Salaam is saying, you want to really weigh down your scales of good deeds, then here there's a prescription. The prescription is of good akhlaq. So the ibadat has to continue, we can't cut down on that. The mu'amalat has to be corrected. The mu'asharat has to be in order. But the prescription Nabi Salaam is giving us to make our scales of good deeds heavy is the prescription of akhlaq. That this will really weigh down a person's scale of good deeds. Now what is akhlaq all about? What is the summary of this akhlaq? In the hadith Nabi Salaam gives the summary of akhlaq. And these are three things. These three things are the summary of akhlaq. And in fact, in one hadith, there's one further thing recorded. So that becomes a fourth thing. Nabi Islam says, Sil man qata'ak, wa'fu amman zalamak, wa'ahsin ila man asa'a ilayk. And in another hadith, one other aspect is mentioned, tu'ti man haramak. The first aspect, join ties with those who cut off ties from you. Now this is akhlaq. Unfortunately, we give a lot of 
consideration to some aspects of deen only and forget about other things. Whereas deen as we mentioned is comprehensive. It's not something that is departmentalized. It is not something that is selective. It is all inclusive. It is comprehensive. So just as we have to give importance to our salah, to our zakat, our fasting, our hajj, and other forms of ibadat, we have to give due importance to mu'amalat, mu'asharat, and akhlaq. And here this is something that really tests a person's inside. Sil man qata'ak. Join ties with the one who cuts off ties from you. Normally our policy is, somebody is good to me, I'll be good to him. And somebody is bad to me, then I'll show him who I can be also. But Nabi Salaam is saying, if somebody is cutting off ties from you, you join ties with him. Sil man qata'ak. Now this is akhlaq. Our condition would be this, that if we have a problem with someone, and this is really where the test of akhlaq comes. Outwardly it seems a very small thing, akhlaq and such a big reward, the heaviest thing on the scales of good deeds. But picture the situation that there's a passage or something, a long passage. We are coming from one side. Somebody else is coming from the other side. And now we are going to have to pass somewhere in between. We're going to have to cross. But that person who's coming from the other side, we have a problem with, with her. We're not on talking terms, whatever the case is. Now in passing, are we going to make salam or not? Now we know the importance of salam, but now I don't want to make salam to her. So what I will do? So at that time, I'll just remember that I forgot something. I have to take a U-turn. Even if I didn't forget anything, I'll just remember that I forgot something. I'll just fumble in my pockets and say, well, it seems like I forgot something. Take a U-turn and at top speed, I'll be gone. Why? So that I don't have to make salam to the person. To make salam to that person at that time sometimes becomes more difficult than fasting the whole day on a hot summer's day without having had sehri. That is easier. And a person didn't even have anything to drink sehri time and it's now extremely hot. The person is thirsty. There's no air conditioner. There's no power to have even a fan on. That fast is easier than making salam to this person. It is easier to make the hajjud the whole night than to make salam to the person. It is easier to make tilawat the whole day and make one khatam than make salam to that person. But the person who decides, I will make salam. Now that takes a lot from within. That is the thing of courage. And this is where the weight comes. The weight on the scales of good deeds. Because a person took that weight on himself here in dunya. Now this is that aspect what brings such great reward for akhlaq. So Nabi Islam is saying, Silman qata'ak, join ties with the one who cuts off ties from you. Unfortunately, because of the Western lifestyle that we are also borrowing, we become everyone for himself. And whatever somebody else's issue is, it belongs, that's their business. Whereas in Deen, this is a very highly emphasized thing, the maintaining of family ties. It's not everyone for himself. It's we are all together. And maintaining family ties is an extremely emphasized thing. And to this extent, Nabi Islam says, Ar-Rahimu Mu'allaqatun Bil-Arsh That family ties and relationship, this is suspended from the throne of Allah wa Ta'ala, from the Arsh of Allah Ta'ala. It has a form. And it is suspended from the Arsh of Allah Ta'ala. And it keeps making dua at that point. 
can we imagine? Right at the arsh of Allah Ta'ala, it is making dua, man wasalani wasalahu Allah, wa man qata'ani qata'ahu Allah. Ya Allah, the one who maintains me, you maintain him. Ya Allah, the one who cuts me off, you cut him off. When Allah Ta'ala cuts somebody off, who can maintain the person then? Who can then ever bring any good, any happiness, any peace to that person's life? Then the material possessions might be unlimited, but that life will be still very, very tightened and limited. Person will be in the midst of every luxury and comfort, but the person will say, I got no life. And otherwise, the person with the simplest of things also will be enjoying life. If Allah Ta'ala blesses that person with barakat, blesses that person with happiness. So Nabi Islam is saying, Silman qata'ak. Join ties with those who cut off ties from you. Wa'fu amman zalamak. Forgive the one who has oppressed you. Now this is akhlaq. And this is where the weight will come on the day of Qiyamah in the scale of good deeds. Forgive the one who has oppressed you. Normally this is our issue that I didn't do anything wrong. He was wrong. So he must come and ask me for forgiveness. Nabi Islam is saying, you don't wait for that. Wa'fu amman zalamak. Forgive the one who has oppressed you. And deen and Islam and the akhlaq that Nabi Islam taught this is miles ahead of where our mind can go to. Nabi Islam says, Wa ahsin ilaman asa'a ilayk. You do good in return to the one who has done wrong to you. You give good treatment to the one who has ill-treated you. Now, put ourselves in that situation. Somebody has ill-treated us. Can we bring ourselves to return the ill-treatment with good treatment? Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha she was put through a very, very difficult time when she was slandered. Now, this is something which is a very painful, just to merely repeat the incident brings pain to us 14 centuries later, what she might have gone through. And she was the target of the slander, and a terrible slander. The munafiqeen slandered her, and it was a very painful time when whole month no wahi had come to clear out the incident. And Nabi Islam was in a terrible pain as well over the incident. Obviously, this is his beloved wife and his wife has been slandered. So obviously, Nabi Islam was in this great pain about the incident. The parents of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Siddiq Akbar an, her mother. And when this incident came to her attention that this is what people are speaking about me, she was so affected by it that she fell unconscious. And when she regained consciousness, she just could not eat one morsel, could not drink one sip, and she only spent her day and night crying. Now imagine this whole background. What a scene this was. After one month, Wahi came. An entire ruku of the Quran Sharif was revealed. And the great position and status of Aisha was mentioned. What a great personality she is, her purity, her chastity, so now this entire incident was cleared. The munafiqeen that were involved in this, they were punished. Some sincere Muslims, they got caught up in passing on this information, which unfortunately is a common story nowadays. That we hear something, we don't know what the truth is, and even if it is sometimes true, but it is something negative about the person, to pass that on would be ghibat. Now we say pass to on, uh, pass to all. In one button, 
We are sending it to 100 contacts. In one press of a button, in one second, we made ghibat 100 times. We got the sin of 100 ghibats. And the sin of one ghibat, Nabi Islam says, Ashaddu min zina one ghibat is worse than adultery. Now in one press of a button, button, a person got the sin of 100 ghibats. And it doesn't even cross our heart and mind that I did anything wrong. And if it is false, if it is untrue, then that is buhtan. It is worse, worse than ghibat. On the day of Qiyamah, when the person is crossing the pool sirat, he'll be stopped and told, first bring the proof for what you said. It was a slander, it was buhtan. Where's this proof to start off with? You can't bring proof, you fall off this bridge. You fall off pool sirat. And under pool sirat is jahannam. So, some sincere people, unfortunately, just got caught up in passing on this information. And as a result, they were also punished. One of them was Hassan bin Sabit radiallahu ta'ala. But in any case, now this incident came and went. He got caught up, unfortunately. He made toba. He was punished also. But the time passed. After Rasulullah sallallahu once he came to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu place, many sahaba would come and from behind the parda, they would ask some questions. They would inquire about various aspects of hadith because she was extremely learned and being the person who was very close to Nabi Wasallam, she had so much of knowledge. So they would come and inquire. She would give them the answers. So Hassan bin Sabit also came. So Aisha was told that he has come. So she gave the instruction that have him seated with honor, with respect, serve him well. So somebody objected to this that do you remember that he is the person who was involved in slandering you? Though he wasn't directly involved, but he got caught up in this. He was also part of the reason that you had to undergo all that pain, all that suffering. And we can imagine what suffering, what pain. We just discussed very briefly. We cannot imagine the reality. As Aisha described the whole thing in the Bukhari Sharif Rewayat. She says that I couldn't sleep one wing. I couldn't eat one morsel. And I only spent my time crying. And imagine what pain, what grief. So in any case, now Hassan is there. And Hazrat Aisha is being told that this is the person that caused you pain. And what is her response? Her response is, إِنَّهُ كَانَ يُدَافِعُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ يُنَافِعُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ That he used to defend Nabi Wasallam with his poetry. When the Mushrikeen would say some nasty things against Nabi Wasallam. He would respond with poetry in praise of Rasulullah and repelling and dispelling whatever the Mushrikeen had said. Allah's Nabi would sometimes even ask for the mimbar to be placed and would ask Hassan to sit on the mimbar and to say his poetry against the Mushrikeen and in the honor of Nabi. And he would make dua for him. Allahumma ayyidhu bi ruhil qudus. Ya Allah, you assist him with Jibreel. Aisha is referring to that. And she's saying that remember the good that he has done. Forget all the other things. Don't worry about that. If he gave me pain and difficulty, I have long forgotten it. I have forgiven it. Now this is a heart. And today we are talking about it with such respect, such awe, because of the heart that she had. So she just dismissed it. And she said, forget about all that. Look at the good he's done. He used to defend Nabi Wasallam. This is what I remember only. I don't remember anything else. Whereas we can't forget anything else besides the negatives of somebody. The positives of a person we can't remember. Unfortunately, as some person put it, that our minds are like strainers. 
like a sieve, like a strainer. The good things come out. And what is meant to be thrown away, that stays inside. So the sieve, what is meant to be discarded, that gets left in. But unfortunately, unlike the sieve, that's also finally thrown out of the sieve, we leave it in our minds. That strainer, all the good things go out. But whatever is meant to be thrown away and discarded, that gets left in the strainer. But we leave it in our mind also. Aisha is teaching us how to go about these things. He discarded the negative completely. And she is keeping the positive. And she is saying, إِنَّهُ كَانَ يُنَافِحُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. He used to defend Nabi Wasallam. I only remember this. Now this is the application of this Hadith Sharif. وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَى مَنْ أَسَاءَ إِلَيْكَ That you do good, give good treatment to the person who has given you ill treatment. This is akhlaq. And this is what weighs very heavily in the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamat. Imam Abu Hanifa, such a great personality, the Imam of his time, he's seated in a gathering and one person comes and he slaps him in the middle of a gathering. Can we imagine? And to understand this in context, it's like a person comes and he slaps, Allah forbid, he slaps the Imam of the Haram Sharif. This was the kind of position Imam Abu Hanifa had. Imam Sahib looks at him and he says to him that if I wish I can also slap you in return because you slapped me, I am entitled to take equal action. So I can slap you in return, but I won't do this. If I want, I can ask my friends to take revenge on my behalf who are seated here because you hurt me, so I am entitled to hurt you in equal measure. But I won't do this also. If I want... I can complain to the Qazi, lay a formal charge against you and you will be punished by the Qazi. But I won't do this also. If I want, I can curse you. Send lanat upon you because you hurt me. So I'm entitled to this now. But I won't do that also. If I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamat. The day of Qiyamat when people will be dying for one deed, one one good deed. And on that day, those who we harmed in some way, we made ghibat of somebody, we slandered somebody, we took somebody's property away, we harmed somebody in some way, broke somebody's heart. Obviously, where it was not valid, one is that there's no compromise in the deen of Allah. Ta'ala. So, without valid reason, we broke somebody's heart, their feelings, caused taklif to them, pain to them. All these people will come on the day of Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala save us. And they will start claiming payment on the day of Qiyamat. But on that day, there's no payment with rands and cents. On that day, the payment will be with a'mal, with sawab, with good deeds. So all the good deeds of the person will be dished out to all the claimants. And if his good deeds are exhausted, there's nothing left. Then the people who are claiming their sins will be taken and put onto this person's head. So he came with mountains of reward and he'll unfortunately go with the sins of others to Jahannam because of having trampled their rights or having harmed them in some way. So now, this person who has harmed people, he'll lose all his good deeds. So Imam Sahib is saying to the person that you hit me, if I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamah. On that day, I will need your good deeds. So I can take it on that day. But he says, I won't even do that too. Instead, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala grant me Jannat. And if Allah Ta'ala gives me the permission to intercede, to make shafa'at, to intercede on behalf of anybody and take him to Jannat. 
I will intercede on your behalf. And I will take you to Jannat. Now subhanallah, what a heart a person needs to have in the midst of a gathering, a person of that position and status, a person who is respected universally, a person who has that great honor and he is humiliated in this way, he is treated in this bad manner, he, he is slapped in public and he still has the heart to say that forget taking any revenge, forget even asking for revenge on the day of Qiyamah, I will take you to Jannat. Subhanallah, this is what is called a heart. And when we say often have a heart, this is having a heart. This is akhlaq. This is the application of this hadith. That give good treatment to the ones who have given you bad treatment. Forgive the one who has oppressed you. So this is the weight on the scales of good deeds. And this is what we are being taught about in the hadith of Rasulullah that make the akhlaq good. There is something to join everything else. If you want to make a wall, then there's cement to join the bricks together. You want to make some garment, then there's thread to join the fabric together. You want to make uh, some other things, there's various things. You want to stick two pieces of paper, there's some glue available. But there's nothing to stick hearts together but the glue of akhlaq, the cement of akhlaq, and the bond of akhlaq. When this akhlaq, akhlaq is a very comprehensive thing as we mentioned, akhlaq has sabr in it. So now the person has sabr. He can take things in his stride. Akhlaq includes hilm, tolerance. The person has tolerance. Not that everything triggers us off. The person has compassion. The person has forgiveness. Somebody has said something, done something, we have the heart to forgive. The person has uh, that very great uh, good nature, very easygoing nature, something that a person can easily be dealt with, related to. Nabi Salaam, this was his nature. Lakin al Janib, Laysa Bifaldin, Wala Ghalidin, Wala Sahabin. Nabi Salaam was very easygoing. He was somebody very soft natured. And he was not harsh. He was not foul mouthed. He was somebody that was very, very uh, easy to, dis- to deal with, to discuss with. Anybody could come to him and talk to him and they would be accommodated. He had a very accommodating nature, very tolerant nature. So all this is part of the akhlaq of Rasulullah And this is the akhlaq that we are being taught about. This is the akhlaq that will weigh heavily on the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. And this is the akhlaq that brings happiness within any environment. This is what bonds the hearts. This is the bond. When there's akhlaq, everybody has akhlaq, then big things also become very small and just fizzle out into nothing also. We are human beings. We are not made of steel and stone. We have feelings. But with akhlaq, those feelings are very easily handled. Those feelings are very easily overcome. And when there's no akhlaq or lack of akhlaq, little akhlaq, then small things also become very big. Then sparks become infernos. Otherwise, even big fires can become just very, very small things in small time. So this is the issue to develop akhlaq. And developing akhlaq, this comes by reading about the lives of those who had akhlaq. The akhlaq of Rasulullah 
the akhlaq of the sahabai kiram, the akhlaq of our great akabir and awliya, reading about their akhlaq, what kind of akhlaq they had, how they dealt with others, what kind of compassion they showed, what kind of tolerance they had. And taking advice from people of akhlaq, asking, unfortunately nowadays we ask about everything but how to improve our lives in terms of deen, how to get closer to Allah wa ta'ala. We want some recipe, we will ask. Some pattern, we will ask. We will ask anybody. We'll phone about, we'll find out whatever else. We want to find out some trivial and menial things also. We will find out from whoever we can get it. But how can I become a better person in deen? How can I get closer to Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala? There are certain obstacles in my life that are preventing me from progressing in deen. How do I get these obstacles out of my life? How do I become a person whose heart is filled with forgiveness? How can I remove revenge from my heart? How can I clean my heart out of malice? Sometimes if there's some stain on some curtain, on some carpet, we can't seem to get the stain out. We will phone around to some manufacturers of detergents. We will go onto some website. We'll do whatever is possible to try and get the right detergent to clear the stain out from that carpet, from that curtain, from that garment. What about the stains on our heart? The stain of jealousy, the stain of malice, the stain of hatred, the stain of harboring ill thoughts, the stain of all the other various evils of pride, of arrogance. So these are things which are severe stains in our hearts. Allah Ta'ala forbid that we leave the dunya with these stains, then it's a very dangerous thing. Nobody can claim purity. I'm the worst of all. Nobody can claim purity. And the thing is that many a times, these are so subtle within us that we think everything is perfect. But on the occasion, the reality opens out. And something is a test now, a challenge on the spot. Like one person used to write before his name, Ahkar. Ahkar means, I'm the lowest of everybody. And he used to call himself sometimes Lashe. Lashe in Arabic means I'm nothing. So one day somebody who knew him, one of his seniors, in, he, in a very sudden moment, he told him, Oh, you donkey, that person's face changed color. And he became upset, but because it was his senior, he couldn't say anything. So he said, why your face is changing color? And why are you getting upset? You say you are nothing. I called you a donkey. A donkey is still something. You're feeling upset about being called something. You call yourself nothing. So then the reality opened out. That this is all just words. But inside there was something else. So we have to clean the insides. We have to purify ourselves of all these spiritual maladies. And this is what will bring us closer to Allah wa ta'ala. On that day, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالُوا وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ Allah Ta'ala says on the day of Qiyamah, neither a person's wealth, nor a person's children, or anything else will be of any avail, will be of any benefit to the person. The only thing that will avail a person is, إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ The person who has come to Allah Ta'ala with a purified heart, purified from all wrong aqaid and beliefs, purified from all other evils, purified from all other uh, futile things, from all the other haram pictures in the heart. Unfortunately, this is such a scourge of society, the haram that people look at, and this becomes imprinted on their hearts. So all these things, a person who has come with a purified heart, purified from jealousy, from malice, from hatred, from ill thoughts, and all the other maladies of the heart, such a person, this person will gain the great rewards of the akhirat. So this is what we have to try to achieve, what we have to work towards, and we have to inquire about this, take advice, and we move ahead in life. 
Inshallah, in this way we'll find our worldly life will become an example of Jannat. The reality of Jannat we cannot imagine in this world. But in this worldly life also, Allah Ta'ala will give us a little sampling of Jannat. And Jannat in the Akhirat is waiting then. May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant one and all of us the tawfiq. Among the things that will bring us onto this line, one very important thing, Inshallah we should start implementing this in our homes. And if it is there, we enhance it. The talim in our homes of the Fazail Kitabs, this is an extremely important thing. Let us take the courage. Let us be the ones who maintain that this must happen. Every day in our homes, the Fazail Talim must take place and we will find what great benefits this will bring. On a domestic level, it will bring muhabbat in that home. It will become the foundation for dispelling so many evils out of that home. So this is something that we should start off with. Together with that, some tasbihat daily. If there is nothing happening on a daily basis, at least these few things, even if we start off with just 20 times each, durud sharif, istighfar and the third kalima. Starting off with istighfar, in this way we clean our hearts out, at least start off with 25 times daily and gradually bring it up to 100 times. So 25 times istighfar, 25 times the third kalima, we adorn ourselves with this, brighten ourselves with this, and then 25 times minimum, actually this is very little, but 25 times durud sharif on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we'll see the barakat of this coming in. And some portion of the Quran sharif we recite daily, inshallah we do these few things, the talim, this tasbihat, and tilawat of the Quran sharif, inshallah we'll see what great benefit this will bring, and what great changes it will bring to our lives, and the lives of our families as well. May Allah ta'ala grant us the tawfiq, وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب